called Trash Ever, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we treated you at the start of this month to Trash the Piece Gold by discussing Howard the Duck. Now, we're bringing you something that's even better. This is a god-tier Trash the Piece. A fine, fine piece of cinema. This is something else. You anything to say? No, I, I thought you were going to get into a point. I, I thought you were going to join in. Do you no, I have uh, to apologise. You know, I mean, the, I know I'm hyping this up a lot, but this is something special. We are discussing Hard Ticket to Hawaii from 1987. Yes, finally we're discussing how many episodes in? 188. 188. We're finally discussing Hard Ticket to Hawaii... Uh, it's one of those films that, well renowned, trash to pieces. Yeah. You know, you've got ones that aren't as well known, but when it comes to, I'm thinking those YouTube compilations. Uh-huh. Um, it's up there with Troll Two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, up there, probably high. Yeah, like you said, higher up than Howard the Duck. But yeah, it's it's there in the annals of trash to piece history. It's just so stupid, so ridiculous, so but hel- so hilarious. Like this is the perfect example of a so bad it's good film. Yeah. Um, directed by Andy Sedaris. Who I believe has made a career of... Uh... Yes, I think he sticks to what he knows. Yes, the director of Malibu Express, Savage Beach, Hard Hunted, Fit to Kill, Day of the Warrior, Lethal Ladies, Return to Savage Beach, and lots more. Um. Yeah, I think it's big boob ladies and big guns Yeah. and muscly men. And I think that's his thing and he goes for it. Um, yeah, worked with Sybil Danning on yes. Malibu Express. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, a seal of <laughs> approval. Of course it is, of course. <laughs> it's legendary. But let's just say, these films, they didn't hit the mainstream. No, no, they didn't. Um, I can't tell you how much this made or how much it was made for. Um, but actually, you know, saying about, because it's, the information isn't available, by the way. Um, but talking about not hitting the mainstream, uh, Malibu Express is Warner Bros. Oh. Okay. Right. So, maybe that's better than this, maybe? I don't know. I mean, Warner Bros. also released Batman and Robin. And yeah. Catwoman, so. Um, may- well, Malibu Express was before this, wasn't it? Yeah. So maybe Malibu Express didn't do very well. No. Which is why he had to finance and produce all his own films. Yeah. Uh, Donna Spear admitted in her autobiography, which I, I'm glad this exists, I'd love to read this. I think so, yeah. Um, that she was intoxicated for much of the shoot and subsequently embarrassed by her performance. <laughs> Despite this, she was well liked by Andy Sedaris and his wife. Producer Arlene Sedaris, who offered her the opportunity to reprise her role in the sequel, Picasso Trigger. Oh, I wasn't aware of this existence. I didn't, I didn't realise it was a... Uh, I mean, that's a stupid fucking name for a film. <laughs> How confusing. Um, I didn't realise it was a sequel. Uh, no, no, I didn't. 
Um, Spear partially attributes this to a decision to get clean, remaining sober for the duration of the shoot and going on to appear in five more Sedaris films. Spear also credits the Sedaris' support with her remaining sober as they had a driver on standby at all times to take her to an AA meeting if she felt she might relapse. Oh, that's good. That's really that, good. That's really good. For a film so sleazy, it's good to it's... know that, you know, it was a good environment to work in. I don't... I, I disagree with you on that one. No? Um, I'm going to say it now, and I'll say it throughout the podcast, because you know I enjoy saying one thing at the beginning and repeating it throughout the podcast... I feel like, despite, you know, the objectification of women Mm -hmm. in this film, I think the representation of women is very good. Oh, yeah, of course. I kind of feel like the intention was there for it to be sleazy because Andy Sedaris knew what sort of audience he was reaching out to at the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's face it, a lot of these probably went straight to video... And we all know why a lot of people brought a lot of straight-to-video films like this. Yeah, but I I feel like the ultimate message is really you can be a beautiful woman yeah. and still kick ass. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think the women are all great in this. And I think, if anything, it's quite empowering. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's it's not like... I mean, I haven't read all the trivia, but... I'm assuming these actresses knew what they were getting into yeah. before making the film. You know, if if the, the filmmakers were good enough to help her so much yeah. in respects to her personal life, I'm sure it was a good environment. You know, she started mm-hmm. five subsequent films, so it must have been a good atmosphere on set and she felt comfortable... Doing the nudity. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I agree. I think all the nudity in this film is very empowering. But just because we think that, as two gay men, doesn't mean the target audience are going to think the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's there for a reason. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think it comes across as sleazy as it could. But we'll, we'll get into it when we, yeah. we talk more. Producer Arlene Sedaris, I think that helps as well having a female producer. Absolutely. Uh, revealed on the YouTube channel um, Popcorn Talk Show, uh, YouTube channel Popcorn Talk Show Guilty Movie Pleasures, uh, that the film was almost given an X rating by the MPAA due to the exploding doll thinking it was too real. It looked too real. Okay. Right. <laughs> Sure, that's true. Um, Andy Sedaris funded the movie using profits from his previous movie, Malibu Express. There we go. He said in an interview that he preferred doing it that way. And he said, I can't go through the regular process. I can't do a script. Turn it over to a studio. Have a reader read it. And have some kind and have some kid out of college come to me and say that doesn't work for me. I'm going to kill the fucker and I'll be in jail. It serves me well and it's cheaper to finance my own movies. You know, good on you. <laughs> And the film has a cult following due to its over-the-top violence, cheesy dialogue, unintentional humour, uh, and overall absurdity. In 2014, Paste magazine named this named the film the best B-movie of all time. Ah, well, I don't quite agree with that, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's got a place in my heart. Yes. Uh, so getting into it, because there's a lot to say about this film. 
it, it, it goes a, a, you know, a mile a minute. <laughs> in Hawaii, an undercover DEA agent and a civilian friend stumble upon a drug trafficking operation and have to enlist the help of all their colleagues and friends to go after the vicious drug kingpin. All of their colleagues and friends. What, like two people? Oh, three. Three. Three, three. people. <laughs> That's all their colleagues and friends. And fuck it out. They haven't got a big social circle, have they? Um, so we open with Shots of Hawaii, uh, an instrumental version of the ballad version of the theme song. This film has three fucking theme songs, by the way. This, yeah. Uh, all incredible. Annoy- ballad one's the best one. Yeah, it is. Annoyingly, one is hard ticket to Hawaii. Yeah. They're the lyrics. But then another one is Hard Ticket to Paradise. And it really annoyed me because I was expecting the word Hawaii to come up. And it was Hard Ticket to Paradise. Well, the other one's just instrumental. It's just so. instrumental. Um, we see the Ala Moana uh, Yacht Club. And uh, we get some badly dubbed characters. A woman who asks the guy in Speedos if he'd like to get in a hot tub with her. And he says... I've got better things to do with my body temperature. (laughs) Um, What is he wearing? Speedos. But they're not Speedos. They are? I mean, they are Speedos. But they've got, like, the side is just a band. Is it? Yeah, so there's no, like... But it's... So, like, a Speedo is, like, a solid, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. But his is more like a bikini bottom. <laughs> like a lady would... You know, like yeah. a lady's bikini bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What was the point to this scene? Um, now thinking back to it, she removes the towels, flashes her boobs to him, and they start making out. This I, I discovered later, because there's some dialogue that refers back to this. This is Rowdy and Donna. Is it? Yeah. It doesn't look like either of them. It doesn't look like either of them. <laughs> Were they like, recast? Weirdly, yeah, like recast. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. I, I, for the whole thing, I was like, well, who are the two at the beginning? And what, what was, the, <laughs> you know, what was Kurt from this film? But that is Rowdy and Donna. So, and they referred to their previous relationship and they referred to he wants her to stay in Honolulu and he doesn't want her to go to wherever the film takes place. I actually have got to write it down. I suppose this makes sense considering the return in weird speedos later on. Yes. Um, meanwhile, two cops are investigating an area where people have been growing weed. The cop, One of the cops visits them every now and then just to give them a fine. And we are... Is intru- that what he was talking yes. about? I had no idea what he was going on about. Um, we're introduced to stereotypical gangster types, but they're dressed like they're on holiday. Um, and they're all taking the weed, or so we think. I suppose they are. I mean, also diamonds as well, spoiler alert. Um, the cops spy on them, and then they walk into a trap, and they get shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the outfits in this film, for the men, are, are weird. Yeah. Because these are... Uh, oh, shit. Of course. Scarface. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, Scarface um, was uh, like a couple of years before. I think so, yeah. Or Yeah, so uh, they're, they're definitely going for the Hawaiian shirt, 
casual gangster yeah. look. Because <laughs> I assumed they were like... What I assumed is that they were pretending to be something else. Like mm-hmm. they were undercover or something. Yeah. Um, but no, they're, they're, they're as brazen as anything. They've just got guns on the beach... Yeah. They don't give a shit. They don't know... They don't care who knows where they are yeah. or what they're up to. Um, so, so this is just how they dress. Yeah. Like, this is... Yeah. You know? They, you know, there's various points where they're just casually eating in a restaurant. Yeah. You know, owned by someone who's undercover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who they, I think, believe is undercover. Huh? Like Edie. Edie, yeah. But they know she's undercover. Yeah, but they don't give a shit. They just go to a yeah, restaurant whenever they want. Yeah, they're very brazen about it. Um, one of the three theme songs plays, uh, the instrumental version, with the opening credits on shipment boxes. Oh my god, this went on for so long. <laughs> um, yeah, I could see what they were getting at. <laughs> but... That's some mighty long credits for this to, to really work. Um, so, yeah, so these crates have just, just like, paper, like, printed out yeah. and stuck on um, the name, obviously, of the cast and the director and, and this, uh, you know, and the producer and, and such. Um, and these boxes are just being moved around. But it's, like, I, I feel like it would work if there was... Maybe a comedy, a sitcom based around yeah this warehouse that would work. And like, if it had like a cheery song about working hard every day, <laughs> um, I think that would work. But in this context, oh my god, <laughs> fucking hell! I thought it'd never end. Eventually, all of the boxes are taken except one that has a sticker saying "Caution, Live Snake." Um, it was just a contaminated. Contaminated. So, this fucking snake is the best actor in the film. Oh, stop. Gives the best performance and gets the best journey, best character development. Um, I mean, it's having a terrible time. Uh, it's uh, actually been contaminated with a toxic uh, that's filled with rat cancer. So, you know, it's not having the best time. Uh, and a forklift knocks into its box. And we get a shot of it, looking absolutely fuming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuming. I, I just need to add um, that at no point during the filming of this film was a real snake used. <laughs> <laughs> at no point, not even some stock footage. It's all this, I mean, it comes close to paper. Paper mache yeah. at some point. This fucking fake looking snake. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fuming. It's, it's been something. disturbed. <laughs> um, we get more shots of Hawaii. Now it just looks like a travel show. Yeah, beautiful shots of Hawaii. Yeah, but the the theme song, the instrumental version of the ballad version, it makes it look like you're watching the travel show. Like. Here in Hawaii, you could find luxury resorts. Yeah, that is true. Contaminated snakes. Now that's this is that's after that's after we're introduced to. Uh, oh yeah, we get Canada. more of them. We we get more of them. Yeah, so on a beach, Slay Queen Donna, tells I put her pal or, or colleague Taryn, um, that she's getting soft. Yeah. 
Um, to which Taryn replies, I'm supposed to be soft. I'm a woman. <laughs> Taryn then uses an outdoor shower and takes her... <laughs> and takes her top off, first to hold, holding a conversation, um, for seemingly no reason. As yeah. the next time she appears, she's leaving some kind of building in, um... They're both sporting a proper Steve Irwin outfit, aren't they? Yeah. She, well, I mean, sexy Steve Irwin. A sexy Steve um, Irwin. You know, she's serving Sybil Dunning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the time they give me Heather Locklear. Yeah. Um, but Taryn leaves this building and she's like fully dressed. Her hair is bouncy. <laughs> it's full. It's dry, you know, it's, it's, she's clearly whatever building that was had a hairdryer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she's got full face of makeup and she's ready to, uh, to slay the day. There was definitely something in the contract that said only topless nudity because she takes a shower with her, uh, bikini bottoms on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's, there's no shower gel inside, there's no shampoo. No. <laughs> she's just, like, washing herself up. She just walks <laughs> into this outdoor shower. But what, why, what's happening in that building that she comes out of that she's suddenly fully glammed? Yeah. Um. Uh, Tyron thinks she's annoying, but Donna tells her it doesn't mean she can't be buff, and then they have a high five. Yeah, so we establish that Taryn is just a civilian. Yeah. Um, this comes up a lot in the film, and it's not actually until the last scene you realise why that's they keep mentioning it. <laughs> um, so she's just a civilian, whereas Donna is FBI or... She's an agent. DEA. DEA. She's an undercover agent. Um, yeah, and she says, oh, you know, that doesn't mean you can't be buff. So she's been called soft... She should be buff. I know mean, Donna's gonna yeah. give this Taryn a complex. She's yeah. a beautiful lady with a f- fabulous figure, mm-hmm. and uh, she's getting shady comments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two guys take the snake box away and miss a danger sign warning of contamination. Dun dun dun. Donna and Taryn. Um, <laughs> this undercover role that they're doing. It never comes back again. In fact, they forget about it quite quickly, soon enough. They're flying this couple to an island. Um, the guy who's hired them, Dixon, warns them of the snake, because they've got to fly snake over the snake over as well. Donna tells him she doesn't like snakes, but happily takes it, though. Yeah. Before they get on the plane, Taryn says, I'm going to pretend I'm in a James Bond movie. And Donna says, you have a wild imagination, Taryn. Out of all the actors who play James Bond, who do you like best? Taryn, being the queen that she is, is like, I'd give them all equal time. <laughs> yeah, this is also something that reoccurs. It does so film. much. There's this constant, Taryn has a thing for James Bond. <laughs> um, I'm assuming this is their way of explaining why a civilian would put herself in so much danger. Um... Because I, I'm assuming that that is Taryn's job. Yeah. Piloting the, the aircraft. I, I assume so. I mean, it's never explained. No. It's... But they, they pilot it, they get ready, and they fly off to the top-tier banger that is the hard ticket to Hawaii theme song, ballad version. Yes. 
And now this is when you get your full travel brochure. Yeah, <laughs> this footage. is... Yeah. Everyone's laughing, having a great time in the plane. Yeah, Hawaii looks beautiful, it, you know. It it does. And, and it's shot quite well, actually, yeah. really. You know, I'm expecting a David Attenborough uh, <laughs> narration, but, you know, it looks great. Yeah, considering everything else that's going on within the film. It's There's so also cool. another part that kind of goes on a bit longer than it should. <laughs> it does. Really? Yeah, because it needed the whole song in there. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Uh, the song, all three the versions of the theme song are now on our playlist. Ooh. Uh, shared on our Instagram story if you needed a link to it. <laughs> Dixon uh, realises the contaminated snake has made it onto the plane with Donna and Taryn. And he tries reaching them but they've already left. Uh, we get the same shot of the snake again. The snake can hear the uh, radio going off. So <laughs> how you fucker? They don't know. So like, this bitch talk about me. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's the wrong snake on the plane. Yeah. Which I'm assuming is a cheap rip-off of Snakes on the Plane. Um, no, no, it's what Snakes on the Plane wanted to be. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> what? Rat cancer snakes on a yes. plane? Um, yeah, so he can't get through to the ladies to warn them. Um, the honeymooners are left on the deserted beach as they've requested. <laughs> They're like, well, you, you promised that this beach is going to be deserted, right? And they're like, yes, there's going to be no one else around. We'll pick you up tomorrow. <laughs> what makes me laugh is the fact that they included the snake storyline in the film. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's so unnecessary. <laughs> they could have literally just had the diamonds and drug smugglers. It's, yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah. I'm not glad they did, but come on, what was the point? Um... Some fancy-looking villains on a yacht fly a remote-control helicopter to the island uh, where the drug lord villains are. Donna and Taryn are on the same island and spot it. Yeah, I see a dude who looks like Malcolm McDowell now, yeah. giving Tory energy, uses his cane to control a very small <laughs> helicopter that the ladies discover and, and find... I wrote tape player inside. Turns out it's just the box. It's, uh, yeah. But it looked like a tape player. They get run the first seat like, oh my god, what is that? And they start running away. Like, it's just a remote control helicopter, can't they? Yeah, but I mean, if you saw a bloody drone flying at you. Yes, I wouldn't say drone, it looks quite cheap. Yeah, but nowadays it would be a drone. Be a drone. Yeah. Um, they invest- when they investigate it, one of them says, this is no kid's toy, it's an expensive remote control model. <laughs> And what are the kids' toys one there? I know, yeah. Not remote controlled. <laughs> um, the drugs and diamonds lords show up. Well, I think I'm giving them a bit more credit than they deserve because these are these guys are fucking idiots. Um, they uh, they spot Donna and Taryn and they're like freeze. Uh, but they throw random martial arts weapons at them. Yeah, so they throw a, a shuriken at one, and it sort of gets embedded in his shoulder. Shell it took away in a boot. No, that is some queen energy of course. there. Um, and then the other guy is knocked out with some nunchucks. Yeah. Um, they run up to them, kick the shit out of them, and then run away. <laughs> yeah, the ladies <laughs> flee in the, in the plane as the baddies can't find... So we see a box has fallen in the grass. Yeah. Um, so we assume that no one's got away with the box. Mm-hmm. Um... But that's not true, is it? Well, it's not. But also, they fly away without warning the honeymooners yeah. that they left on the island 
that there's like guys there trying to shoot them, trying to kill them. Well, spoiler alert: the honeymooners don't actually interact. No. With the drug lords. No, they don't run into them in any way whatsoever. <laughs> no way whatsoever. Um, and it's, it doesn't look like it's the biggest island either. Like no, they were no, right it was next just around the corner. It was just around the corner. Like, they could have easily shouted over, "Guys, you might want to get the fuck out of here now." <laughs> but no, no, they just fly off. Um, so they return to their headquarters. Yeah. Or wherever they live. Um, it's never really explained what it is. No. Because there's only, like, one bedroom. But I don't know. What was Taryn's house? Taryn. Is it Taryn's yeah, yeah, house? Yeah, yeah, Okay. So, um, they return to Taryn's house, which is their headquarters, because they don't go anywhere else, do they? Yeah. Um, to try and figure out what happened. Now, this is my favourite line of dialogue. <laughs> I've been known to quote this. Um, Donna says, let's unload and hit the jacuzzi. I do my best thinking there. <laughs> um, like, I mean, it's one of the best lines of dialogue of all time. I don't know about just this film. Exactly. I, I quote, I, 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 not the jacuzzi. I, I don't own a jacuzzi. If I did, I would say jacuzzi. Um, but I've been known to say, you know, I'm getting a shower, I do my best thinking there. <laughs> but, but, we shit you not, they say this, and then about five minutes later, they have a scene in the jacuzzi where they genuinely do their best thinking and then leave no, the jacuzzi. No, they don't. No, 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 no. No, I don't think that's true. Do you not? No, no. Um, so yeah, they, they... They say that the dialogue, uh, and then for some reason the snake has a manual. Yeah, they <laughs> apparently the crate is really heavy, and then they're like, uh, like "Oh, here's the manual for it." Like, oh, it swallows its victims all in one. Ew. Yeah, which I thought was gonna come back in the film. It doesn't. No, the snakes are like these bitches. I suppose they didn't have the budget to do something like that. <laughs> um. I love how we keep getting shots of the uh, the snake as well, like, just random shots throughout the film, oh, the snake looking really angry. Are you talking about me? <laughs> you need to keep my name out of your mouth. But then they discussed the box that they found on the island, and uh, Don's like, boy, I tell you, after a day like today, there's no place like home. Okay, hang on a minute. The box you found on the island, you know, the, the box that we saw a shot of yeah. in the grass... <laughs> so it's not explained till later that there were two boxes. <laughs> so we were there like, did you see in the box in the ground? I didn't see anyone pick up the box. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we then cut to Charlotte, whose name I got, despite I probably shouldn't have needed to know her name. She just do fuck all after this. Well, she's a working girl, isn't she's she? She's a working girl. She turns up at a restaurant. Uh, the I I've put Maitre D. Mm-hmm. Not Maitre D. Sound makes it sound posher than it is. Um, even though she's a working girl and she can't afford their prices, <laughs> uh, the Maitre D. Hits on her, um, because he hits on every woman with yes, a pause. Ashley. Um, Ashley is his name. It is, is it? Yeah. Uh, so Charlotte says, oh, um, she's just a working girl and she can't afford their prices, mm-hmm. but she's there to see someone. That someone is Whitey, uh, an older, larger gentleman, and um, he explains when she sits at his table that he's changed after the previous night. She says, and I don't, I don't like this. 
Um, but she says, oh, you practically raped me last night. And it's kind of played off like a joke. Yeah. That is one. It was like, oh. Yeah, because he... Really, he, it's he, very sign of the time. Yeah, he then says he doesn't care about her body anymore and then hits on a waitress and asks her for a pair of coffee. Yeah, he goes to the waitress's chest as she serves them. She's wearing a tropical bikini as she serves them. So, uh, uh, Charlotte, hun, I think you can afford this place. Yes. Um, you don't need Whitey to buy you your dinner. You're a strong, independent woman. Um, I mean, she gets the last laugh because, you know, she doesn't end up with him clearly and he gets made a twat out of himself. That's true. On. She also doesn't have any dialogue after this point. No. But she kind of, you kind of see her in the background of shots <laughs> in the restaurant. Uh, the two uh, henchmen, bad guys, the the girls beat up earlier. Yeah. They turn up at the restaurant. So this is Edie's restaurant, and they speak to their boss, Seth Romero. Have you got down how Seth excuses himself? No, I do have down that he must be the bad guy because he has a foreign accent. Exactly. He's like, oh, excuse me for a moment. And the woman he's with is like, of course not. But he still <laughs> leaves. I think, obviously, I think the dialogue was meant to be, um, do you mind if I... And of course not. Um, yeah, they tell him a couple of broads took the box. Yeah. Um, to which he replies... If brains were bird shit, you'd have a clean cage. Well, he also says, looks like they almost killed you. Who did this to you? Does it? They're just limping a little bit. There's a bit of blood on their shirt. They can't afford the works, can they? Um, Romero calls over his date and tells her that he has a job for her. Yeah. Now, is this Michelle? I'm not sure. Because there's two women he works with. There's Michelle and then there's... um... The Nunchucks Queen. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm not sure which so one it was. So it might have been Nunchucks Queen. Maybe. But if it, it is if it is Michelle, that kind of makes him not only foreign, but gay. Maybe. I don't know. It didn't sound like Michelle when she was speaking. No. No, I don't think so. It must have been Nunchucks Queen. Who looked like Beth Phoenix. Yeah, also, yeah, so, um, <laughs> just to give a bit of context as to what we're talking about, this film has everything you could want, including drag queens. Yes. We have a drag queen barmaid, uh, who looks incredible and won loads of awards, I believe. Uh, Miss Gay USA 1977. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, I mean, come on, you know... <laughs> But it's not, what is there not to love we'll, about this film? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it when we, when we get there. Um, so, where were we? So, Ramiro calls over his date and tells her he has a job for her. We then cut to Donna and Taryn, topless in a jacuzzi. <laughs> now, I must say, I don't think this is a jacuzzi. <laughs> because, well, I think it is a jacuzzi, but they couldn't switch it on. <laughs> because if it was on, it would obviously interfere with the sound. Yeah. So it looks very dull. The water is very still. <laughs> They're essentially just in a pool. Yeah. Or a bath of some sort. Um, they open the box. They're both getting topless, of course. They are topless, yes. <laughs> they open the box and there's diamonds inside. 
And they're like, oh, no wonder the guys tried to kill us. And then, and then Donna's like, well, this means they'll have a hit out on them. Um, on us. <laughs> I laugh because they seem so unbothered. <laughs> well, this means they'll have a hit out on us. Mm. Um, and then they're like, okay, we need to figure this out. And they leave the fucking jacuzzi. Swap it. I don't believe any thinking or decision making actually took place in that jacuzzi. I mean, they had to think about the fact that they're going to have a hit out on them now. Well, they just... I mean, we need to open this box. Uh, probably best if we were topless when we did it. <laughs> in the jacuzzi. Just in case something squirts out and ruins our clothes, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Iconic. It is an iconic scene, to be fair. But they do seem so, like, not bothered. Yeah. And this is what makes the film so great. The acting is is just... I was going to say hideous, and I'll actually stick with that. It is hideous all round. It is. Everyone does a terrible job. Um, they look amazing. You know, they are so much fun to watch, but fucking hell, these aren't good performances. It's dead behind the eyes. I, they probably give the best performances, aside from the snake. Like, the two female leads probably do give the best performances. Yeah. But that's fucking pushing it. We then cut to two guys on a boat, Rowdy and Jade. Yes. Uh, giving full-on cultural appropriation and homoeroticism yeah. as they practice martial arts on a boat. Yeah. They're visited by the sushi man who hilariously delivers them a sandwich. Yeah. With a note inside the sandwich telling them that they're needed to help whoever. I don't, I don't, think, I don't know who sent that sandwich. No. <laughs> the assumption would be it would be Donna that sent the sandwich. Mm, yeah. There's a phone call later, which <laughs> establishes that's when Donna tells them. So I don't know. Um, they then obviously need to cover their tracks. So they set the sandwich on fire. Uh, because it's just that kind of film. Um, we then cut back to Donna and Taryn at Taryn's house. And they're having a good old gossip, aren't they? Oh, Spilling the, some tea. Yeah, the dialogue just gets even better at this point. Uh, Donna can't believe it that Taryn's got another spy movie poster with a German in it. <laughs> and then goes on to slag off uh, Taryn's Malibu Express poster. I know. <laughs> because, come on, Matt. Okay, yeah, come on, Matt. Um, they discuss some guy called Cody who left the agency and become an actor. And his cousin Rowdy, which is obviously one of the guys doing the homoerotic uh, martial arts on the boat. They, um, Donna says... They're both adorable, but just a little flaky, you know. And Taryn says, so tell me the truth about a rowdy. How's his stuff? <laughs> so Donna says, great, he's got four inches. <laughs> and Taryn says, four inches? That's not so hot. And Donna says, yeah, it is. I measured him from the ground up. <laughs> Does he make any sense? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Uh, whilst they're having a, a girly gossip about cops, <laughs> two hooded hoodlums, uh, a, a male and a female, barge in, grab the ladies, and hold them at gunpoint <laughs> to find the diamonds. Barely. <laughs> Um, they've got a pair of tights over their heads, haven't they? The guy out of this duo, oh my 
God, he looks so apprehensive to act. Like, yeah. he looks like he doesn't know what to do the entire time. He does look like no one's sort of been through it with him. There's been no rehearsals. <laughs> um, in doing all this, they release the snake. Yeah. And that's not a euphemism. Uh, they actually released the snake, and now this contaminated rat cancer snake is set free. Yeah. Um, so this is when I realised there were two boxes of diamonds, and they believe that the ladies have both. Mm-hmm. Um, Romero is with them outside, waiting for them, and he sees the snake. He tries to shoot the snake, and um, the gunshots... I don't know. Um, the two hoodlums hear the gunshots and they're like, oh shit, scram. So, well, he's fucking screaming he's as well. Screaming. <laughs> so they leave, promising to return to find the other box. Um, Donna manages to shoot Romero in the face. Whoa, whoa, before... whoa. You can't leave this out. What? Well, when the thugs are leaving, one of the, the guy that looks like he doesn't know how to act trips over a bin lid, oh, pauses. Yeah, of course. Pauses, looks at the camera, and it's like, I'm okay. <laughs> it's not a bin lid, it's the lid to the drain. Oh, to the drain? So that's how the snake gets in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, the fucking snake goes around the whole island before it's in the toilet as well. Yeah, but that's how. <laughs> I better wait, the diamonds are in the freezer. Um, the because they are, are ice. Because they are ice, yes. <laughs> Isn't that a fit? was it? I think it was an episode of the Golden Girls where um, Blanche left her diamonds in the freezer. Do you think it was referencing the Golden Girls? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, Donna and Taryn chase them out. Donna's like, son of a bitch! And shoots Seth in the face. Yeah. Um, yeah, not like clean off. It's just uh, no. like great. No, it doesn't do much. No. Uh, considering it's a bullet to the face, yeah. it doesn't do too much. The ladies are finally warned of this contaminated oh, for snake. Sake, Dixon has been on this radio for yes. hours. They were in the plane since he started trying to get hold of them. So why weren't they talking to him? Yeah. Um, yeah, he is He is trying his best to get through it. And he finally gets through. Um, <laughs> that snake is contaminated with a toxic from cancer infested rats this is the big reveal and he's like you took the wrong snake and they're like no we didn't <laughs> no he's you've got the wrong snake like, no we don't no we don't you, uh, something like that because it's, the the joke is she says well we, we didn't because uh, we haven't because we haven't got it anymore it's gone he's that. Like, Oh, I better call, like, the World Health Organization. Or something. Yeah. Oh, why didn't you do that before? <laughs> um, unfortunately, during the scuffle, Donna's father's photo got broken. And Donna gives us a, a, a backstory on her father. Well, she gives Taryn a backstory on her father, even though they're good Judies. Yeah. Taryn probably knew the story. Yeah. Um, so Donna's father... Was a spy as well. Yeah. She's just trying to make her dad proud. Um, I, I, I have no idea. This didn't go anywhere. It didn't really mean anything. Well, what makes it, me laugh it's is... Like she's probably the only character that gets any backstory. It, it makes me laugh how Taryn tries to comfort her. It's like, Donna, your dad would be proud of you. You hit that creep in the face with one shot. Yeah. Of course, 
James Bond would have hit all three. But who's counting? And Dada says, right, and he'd casually stroll in here and jump our bones. <laughs> and Taron's like, yeah, me first, of course. <laughs> They're there to take down bad guys and get some dick. Yeah, um, and and dress quite fancy. Like oh, yeah, and go to the scene. restaurant, yeah. Yeah, so despite all that's happened, Donna and Taron decide to get dressed up. Like, straight out an episode of Dynasty. <laughs> and uh, they go to Eddie's restaurant. They do. The sleazy maitre d' offers them the best seat in the house. <laughs> What's the best seat in the house, Gary? Uh, they could sit right there on his face. Yes. To which Donna says, oh yeah, is your nose bigger than your dick? <laughs> <laughs> they go to see Edie, the restaurant's owner. <laughs> in her, her not-so-private booth. <laughs> Like it is just a table. Every, every, it's just a table. <laughs> um, so Edie seemingly is um, undercover as well. Yeah. Um, a very suspicious barmaid watches on, and when I say very suspicious, <laughs> I mean the amount of zoom ins we get of suspicious eyes or like you know <laughs> glances at them. It's like okay, bitch, we we get it, we get it. Uh, <laughs> They leave to make a phone call in Edie's office, uh, despite it being a private booth. Um, we're then introduced to um, Jimmy John Jackson. <laughs> He's a football commentator, or and, and I mean the American football, mm-hmm. I believe, um, or a player of some sort. And he sits down with these two, two guys. And uh, completely random guys. Yeah. And starts chatting absolute shit about supplements. <laughs> vitamin C, vitamin D, calcium, all that shit. And it goes on for a while, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then at the end, you, you're thinking, okay, this is going to be a great joke. You know, this is leading somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. I've got faith in you. And what did the guys say? Like... But they have ice cream sundaes, and they're like, man, I sure love soul food. Yeah. Right on, bro. And then they start eating their ice cream sundaes. And they're, they're known as the soul food guys <laughs> in the in credits. I thought they were part of the bad guys. No, I... No. I thought so, too. Because of the way they were dressed. Yeah. Um, but apparently they're just the soul food guys. Yeah. They love soul food. No idea. <laughs> you, you've you've wasted my time and you've wasted your own time because I have absolutely no idea what the fuck that scene was for. Um, the girls call Rowdy, yeah, and Jade. Um, I put here who are also agents. <laughs> I kind of have to ex- <laughs> in my notes for this film. I've kind of had to explain to myself where the oh okay so these are agents <laughs> so i've kind of had to remind myself going through like oh okay okay so that's why that was that um so they'll be joining them the next day uh michelle we found out her name is michelle the barmaid listens in on the call and uh turns out she's in with romero yeah and calls him to tell him the plan for the next day Whitey and Jimmy John Jackson talk more shit <laughs> about football 
as the maitre d' acts like a creep yet again towards the bikini-clad waitress. Um, to which he makes the hilarious joke, I warn you, if you go down on her, you'll be kissing the back of my head, as I'll already be there. <laughs> why, why is that a joke? Why is that a line included in the film? <laughs> it just doesn't lead to any sort of joke whatsoever. It's not funny. It just... No. It's so... It, it... <laughs> it's like, right, okay. Right, okay. Have a nice time. <laughs> Um, it's it's such a weird sort of juxtaposition between, well, the the way women are treated in mm-hmm. this film. It's so it's it's really strange, um, and that that's it's it's that kind of humor. And I I do understand it's for a particular audience. I do understand it's from nineteen eighty seven, but it's still proper cringe. Yeah, oh, really. Um, turns out. Taryn and Jimmy John Jackson had a little thing going on. Oh, yeah. And Taryn comes over and reintroduces herself. And uh, we get a fucking hideous romantic (laughs) montage on the beach. She fingers his belly button at one point. Yeah. It goes on for... It seemingly goes on for hours. Because it's light at the beginning. And then it's, like, night time. She takes the top off, of course. They uh, make out on a beach. Yeah. We get a brief interlude with the snake on its travels. We do. Um, But I... I would be bored. Bored? Well, they're not doing anything. Romantic. They're just, like, (laughs) grabbing each other. On a beach. This is exactly what I mean. This is here purely for a certain type of audience who probably weren't bored during a scene. Uh, Rowdy and Jade arrive the next day and this... Rowdy and Jade who turn up, look at a car with Edie in big letters and say, there's the car that Edie left for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a, a very, very strange... Series of events. Bizarre with a capital B. Bizarre with a capital B. They see a dude riding a skateboard in a handstand position. (laughs) Very impressive. I do understand. And you can absolutely tell that this wasn't written to be so in the script. They needed a skateboarder. And this dude came along and said, do you know what I can do? Like a skateboard <laughs> in a handstand position. Like, oh, that's really impressive. That looked great in the film. <laughs> it made complete sense as well. So, the, the <laughs> this dude is skateboarding and Rowdy and Jade are oh, whoa, look at that dude. He's skateboarding on his hands. The skateboarder skates past to a car behind them. And they didn't see this car. I, I don't understand where this car's <laughs> come from. But he skates to the car, and there's another dude in, in the car, and also a blow-up doll. He... and uh, uh, There's no gas leak here. This is exactly how it <laughs> happens in the film. He grabs the blow-up doll and a shotgun and starts shooting at Rowdy and Jade, wounding Jade in the process. Rowdy and Jade then decide the best course of action is to reverse into the skateboarder, sending him flying into the air, 
where Rowdy shoots him and the blow-up doll with a bazooka. <laughs> to which there is a very large explosion. For both. For both. Um, not X-rated, I don't think. The skateboard just rolls away. The skateboard just rolls away. But it it's hilarious in its ridiculousness. Okay, there's a lot wrong with this. I mean... First of all, the rude skateboarder interrupts Jade whilst he's telling Rowdy all about how his first wife used to murder the lawn naked. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do we, we didn't get the punchline to that joke, no. did we? No, because he's like, oh, hang on, Rowdy. We've got some nutcase in front of us. Man, he must be smoking some heavy doobies. But then when the guy does his little handstand, his handstand thing that he's doing, when he gets in the car with the other guy, they sort of, like, race past them. But then they're on the other side of them. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It Nothing about this like... scene makes any sense. It's like, oh, they've gone. Yeah. Well, they haven't gone. Yeah, then they're, they're right, right in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> then he's like, let's get... When he, before he shoots him with the bazooka, let's get that turkey. <laughs> and it's not like... It's an explosion. It's hilarious. Because it's obviously some sort of, like, mannequin doll being blown up. <laughs> Um, it doesn't look real at all, so I don't know where they're getting that hole. They were going to give an X rating because it looked so real. It does not look real. It looks like, you know, the scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz has just been exploded. It's one of the most iconic scenes in Trash to Peace history. I, it really is. I I really can't understand the thought process behind it. I don't know how Andy Sedaris thought this was a good idea in any way whatsoever or why it would work or why it would make any sense. I think it's just a a case of, you know, whatever came to his mind. Just like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, go for it. We've got nothing to lose. You know, know, someone had a spare blow-up doll. Put that in there. (laughs) We've already got a rat cancer contaminated snake. What you know? What else can we do to up that? It, it is amazing. You have to see to believe it. Even if you don't watch the whole film, at least watch that clip on YouTube. Uh, it has to be seen. Yeah. Um. We then cut to the honeymooning couple partaking <laughs> in a photo shoot <laughs> on the beach. I don't know what they've been up to. <laughs> like seriously, what the hell have they been doing all that time? They didn't. They haven't even travelled that far away. From no. Like, oh, we love nature and we love sightseeing. <laughs> She ain't fucking moved. I don't know why they're having this photo shoot either. It's literally just him there, like, wow, yeah, oh my god, yeah, you it look just amazing. just an excuse to wow. get a bikini, bikini clad woman in the film. She's working it, you know, she, she looks like she could be a model. It's true. She, she's, she's serving a look. Um, not for long, though. <laughs> no, fucking Snake is fuming. Absolutely fuming. Fuming that um, he's not partaking in this photo shoot. So it just launches at the guy out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like whenever the snake isn't the centre of attention, it gets angry. It does. Um, so the snake missed out on the photo shoot, so it decides to kill them both. It gets its way. It gets its, its way. way. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's stop. Um, we then cut to Michelle, who's listening in on another <laughs> one of Edie's conversations with Rowdy. Where he explains he's just left the hospital uh-huh. with Jade, who who was uh, injured. 
A random woman goes, and this, I, I lost, I, I got a little confused <laughs> at this point. I wonder if she's the waitress that they were. I think it is the waitress. So, uh, the waitress, we'll just pretend it is. Well, it's got to be a waitress anyway. A waitress, yeah, I suppose. Uh, goes for a swim, then goes into changing area. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I worked at a pub. They weren't changing it. No. Um, but some sort of changing area for for ladies, the powder room. But it's not really a toilet, is it? It's not really no, a bathroom. No, not really. Um, but anyway, she tells Michelle that her boobs aren't big enough. <laughs> yeah, she tells uh, she tells her that great breasts are a great asset. Yeah. Um, so, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why women go through this film body shaming each other. Um, there's a reason why Michelle hasn't got boobs, though. Yeah, she starts to untuck in the workroom. <laughs> Don't! I wrote that as well! <laughs> <laughs> the Interior Illusions Lounge. <laughs> um, yeah, she's... de-drags. With the door wide open, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone could walk past or walk in. Um, yeah, D-Drags, and turns out Michelle is Michael. Yeah. Um, Michael gets picked up by some henchmen, or whoever, don't care, and uh, they get ready to intercept Edie on the way to the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> the scene is so fucking funny. It is. <laughs> I can't even describe why it's funny. I, I... <laughs> You've got to see it to believe it. it it's just... So badly shot, this scene. And it kind of looks like they're playing a prank on someone. Yeah. <laughs> they just pull up at the side of Edie's car and they throw her in the van. But it's the execution of it. It's just so funny. Yeah. I think it's... Yeah. I know what you're getting at. It's hard to describe. <laughs> um, well, they do. They take her to the beach. They kidnap her. Take her to the beach to see Romero. Um, again, so much of this happens in public. Yeah. Like, really? Um, t- Taryn and Donna see all this happening because it's happening in public. It's a public beach. What The watch with unusually large binoculars. Yeah, and a big yellow camcorder camera. as well. Um, so they see what's happening and they also see um, one of the henchmen with a gun. Uh, it's the one from earlier, isn't it? The, yeah. That shot the police officers. Um, throwing a frisbee with a local woman. Colleen. Colleen. Really enjoying himself throwing this frisbee. And it is one of the most ridiculous parts of the film. Like, the the handstand skateboarding, I get. He wanted to show off his skills. <laughs> it doesn't make 100% of sense. But this makes no sense. No. Like, this is... Somebody had an idea about something that happens later on in the film. And they're like, well, how do we get to this point? I want <laughs> this to happen, but how do we get to this point? I want to have him really enjoy playing frisbee <laughs> with this random woman. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> um, so, <sighs> Taryn and Donna then go to use a phone at a sumo wrestling training centre. <laughs> Forgive me, I, I, I googled to see what the name was, but um, it, it didn't really tell me. But, you know, the, the sumo wrestlers are training. Um, 
no, I don't know if I got a little confused, but I think Taryn was commu- trying to communicate with them in Spanish. Yeah. To much hilarity. Makes a right tit of herself. Yeah. Um, Donna sneaks <laughs> around and uses the phone. Who does she call? She calls Ashley. The, uh, Ashley? Who the fuck's Ashley? The flirty guy at the uh, restaurant. Oh, we, Lord. Yeah. Um, somehow that call don't, don't. makes her figure out that Michelle is Michael. Okay, I don't know if I was misunderstanding. <laughs> so I put Donna, for some reason, deduces, using only the way Michelle held a cigarette, that Michelle is Michael. Yeah. And that he was in on it all along. This is what I think. It's hard to understand. No, what that's the... what she said. Yeah, it's hard to understand what the fuck they're going on about, though. Like, half the time through this film, people are talking. I'm like, what are they saying? <laughs> yeah, and she says, Michelle has been tipping them off. And Taryn's like, ah! <laughs> it's a weird thing. Where there are moments where Taryn's meant to be dumb. Yeah. But then... Also not. <laughs> um, so Donna and Taryn <laughs> go to the beach and they find the honeymooners <laughs> butchered. They find the girl first. Donna's like, Taryn, I can't believe this. Oh, wait, it's the most emotion they've shown. <laughs> this is this is their Oscar moment. I don't know what the snake did to them either, by the way. No. <laughs> oh, she tore to pieces. But there was that whole... <laughs> conversation earlier about snakes or oh, they swallow yeah. their prey whole <laughs> well, no, clearly they don't that's not happened here they, they're going crazy like I can't believe this is happening um <laughs> in a bizarre series of events Stop. they find a Polaroid picture left in the camera uh, from the guy of the couple and they, they stand there and they literally in real time wait for it to develop and like it's developing. And when it develops, I shit you not, it is a fucking selfie left by the snake. <laughs> it is a snake poking it out from the side of the camera, looking directly into it. I feel like... <laughs> I don't feel like it's meant to be a selfie. I feel like it's meant to be his last photo. So he was taking a photo as the snake struck. I don't think the camera was up when it happened. It probably wasn't. <laughs> but it's... Because I, I don't think it's meant to be a selfie. But it looks like one. Yeah. And that's the funny part, is that it does look like <laughs> the snake has taken a selfie. It's like, ah, bitches, yeah, look, look where I am. At the scene of the crime as well. At the scene like, of the, the crime. the audacity of the it. The evidence. It's like, Ev- I don't give a shit if you think all it's me. All these criminals in this film just do it all out in the <laughs> open. But then Donna and uh, Taryn are like, oh, well, there's nothing we can do. Let's leave. And they fucking leave. Oh, my God, they do it all the time. They leave the corpses on the fucking beach. They can't... I, I feel like so many of the scenes with Donna and Taryn together... The, the the film doesn't just cut. No. They have to leave the scene before yeah. it cuts. It's like, just cut. It's fine. You don't have to tell us <laughs> where you're going. Um, after this, and it's really the shittest part of the film. 
I didn't. I didn't find this funny or entertaining at all. Did you? No. Jimmy John Jackson interview. No, because I feel like all of the scenes in the film that were intended to be comedic weren't funny. No, it's true. I mean, you know, we're, we're dealing with a trash the piece here. This is uh, the all the reasons we enjoy it are all the things that got wrong. Um, but when you're trying to do comedy and you don't get that right, I mean, that's not so enjoyable. Yeah, so it's it's Jimmy John Jackson. He's interviewing two African American football uh, football players for TV, and it's live TV. Um, and he's doing this interview, and he asks, actually asks one question, which complete waste yeah. of time. Um, they reply, uh, and their reply involves a racial slur. And uh, Jimmy John Jackson and, and Whitey think that their careers are over. Like, oh my God, can't believe it's gone out on live TV. And that's the joke? That's it, yeah. Ashley paid them to do it. Ashley, oh. Yeah. Yeah, you set them up. Do you know who deserved to die in this film? Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that makes it even worse. I know, like, yeah. So, like, the filmmakers, some, you know, I'm assuming the writers were all white guys. Well, yeah, I assume so. Um, so this joke just, it, it falls flat. And then, and then, then, and then the joke is that this sleazy dude has paid them mm-hmm. money to use a racial slur on TV. Yeah, I mean, right. they said other things as well. Oh, I don't know what else. They're saying, like, motherfucker and stuff like oh, that. Oh, were they? So, yeah, swearing. yeah, yeah. Oh. Anyway, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, Donna, Taryn, Rowdy and Jade, our uh, Fantastic Four, are finally all together. Finally. Like, how how far are we into this film? Oh, our four main characters are finally probably over an hour by in point. the same room together, which I actually think was a good thing, and I'll, I'll tell you why later. Um, and they start to put a plan in place. Not in the jacuzzi, though. No. Um, Edie has been tied up now and is being questioned about the diamonds. Well, when they go back to Taryn's house, Donna's on the phone to Dixon uh, asking about the snake. And for some reason, he asks her uh, if she's ever been mistaken for a man. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point in that? And even though he's not given that energy early. No. He was respectful. She was like, like she's literally on the phone, like, no, no snake. And then, no, I have not been mistaken for a man. Okay, bye. What? No, she was uh, like, have you ever been mistaken yeah, for a man? Yeah, have you ever been mistaken for a man? I feel like so many of the scenes in this film is that they've had one idea, one joke, or one idea. Like, wouldn't it be cool if he flew in the air and got shot with a bazooka. And so the lead-up to these, they just do whatever they want, yeah. or whatever. But they want this moment in the film. Uh-huh. So I think this is... Well, we want the joke where Donna, you know, she asks if he's ever been mistaken for a man. That's a funny joke. Yeah. Well, how do we get there? Um, or I don't know. Or just have Dixon be a bit of a dickhead, even though he hasn't been for the, yeah. the, the beginning of the film. Just have him being a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, great. Now we can get the joke in. Tick. Um, yeah. They're preparing weapons. They are preparing weapons for the first time. 
and Taryn and Jade bond over some martinis, shaken not stirred. Yes, he drinks it from the bottle. He drinks it from the bottle with a twist of lemon. Donna shows rowdy footage of the frisbee throwing. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, they were quite far away on the beach. Yeah. And from a certain angle as well. And we see that angle at first. Yeah. But then they're right in front of him. Right in front of him. <laughs> I mean, that's quite the zoom for 1987. But from a different it. angle. This yeah. is not even the same angle. Yeah. Um, but he's he's living his best life. He's throwing his frisbee <laughs> with Colleen. And uh, Riley says, I can use that. Can you? Is that Can you use that? Turns out I can. Um... This is the part where I realised that they were the couple from the beginning on the boat. At the yeah. beginning of the film. And Rowdy was trying to keep Donna in Honolulu because he knew what was going on. Donna says, you can't control my life. To which Rowdy replies, I don't want to control your life. I just want to suck the paint off your toenails. <laughs> um... We then cut to Romero's bodybuilding henchwoman, uh, looking great. Yeah, she does a routine, sexy, sweaty routine with yeah. her trucks. She for for, for me, no reason. You won't get the reference, but she's she's definitely giving Beth Phoenix energy. <laughs> um, and then she starts to torture Edie. Um, kind of. I think she <laughs> smacks her slightly with nunchucks and, you know. Like, the, when you see Edie later on, it doesn't look like she's has been beaten up. to her. <laughs> no. Unless it's tickle torture. Um, they haven't done much to her. Um, Donna and Rowdy have sex on a chair. Well, barely. Um, I mean, first of all, she was kissing from... She was moaning from him kissing her, like, in the previous scene. And now he's moaning really loud just because she's sitting in front of him. This is the weird thing. Like... Is she giving him a tit wank? <laughs> I feel like that's what's going on. It might be. Obviously, what they're trying to do is show as much of her as possible <laughs> and as little of him as possible. So like, why don't they do it sat in a chair? So then we can see her backside and we don't have to see too much of the fella. Um, but it doesn't quite work because, um, it's very much like the room where the special places aren't necessarily linked. They're nowhere near. They're nowhere near each other. The only thing I can think of is a titwank and that's revolutionary. I don't think that's ever been included in a film before. So groundbreaking. Yeah. Breaking boundaries. Breaking boundaries. Um, but yeah, he's very loud to much hilarity. Yeah, so Taryn and Jade find it hilarious. They find it hilarious and they have to turn the music up. Whatever music that is. I don't actually think they did turn no. it up. <laughs> they have some very interesting post-sex talk, don't they? Yeah. So Donna asks, tell me, what do you feel? To which Rowdy replies, one man's dream is another man's lunch. <laughs> What does that even mean? She's like, you son of a bitch. And then they go back to Taryn and Jade and all have a laugh about it. Like, I, I really feel like the dialogue was picked out of a hat. Like, if for, again, for random yeah. scenes, just thrown in there. I just don't get... None of it makes get, any sense. I don't get the joke. No. It's not even lunchtime. 
And he certainly didn't go down on her. No. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, so, Romero calls Mr. Chang. Yeah. Turns out Mr. Chang is the Tory dude from earlier. Yeah. Flying the helicopter. Um, Mr. Chang is played by a white man. Of course. Um... But played that, to be a British character. British Which is really weird. I don't get... It's explained later. Oh, okay. Oh, it's yeah, no, of course it is. But it's definitely that Mean Girls yeah. moment where it's like, if you're called Mr. Chang, why are you white? Um, the good guys prepare their weapon. I'm going to call them Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four prepare their <laughs> weapons... No, they're still preparing still. their fucking no, weapons. No, because they, they prepared them, went for a shag, <laughs> slash martini, and then now they're really doing preparing the weapons. Including a razor blade frisbee. Including a frisbee where razor blades have been inserted. <laughs> now, I don't know if... I mean, he's only just found out about the frisbee throwing. Yeah. Then he's had a shag. Mm-hmm. So when has he had the time to make this? I know. Or is that just something he has? Just just has it on hand. I mean, that's quite dangerous. I mean, there's no safety measures in place. He just pulls it out the bag and the razors are there. And he also says a great line. What does he say? Tomorrow <gasps> we kick ass and take names. You take no one's name. Thank you for that. I I thought he already had all their names. He was talking about having them on file earlier. I reckon that they must have based this guy off of uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Maybe. Was this before uh, they live? No. Or... Yeah, this was before they live. Oh, okay. Yeah? I mean, he was in How Comes to Frogtown, so it's probably from that. Um, or he was a wrestler. Uh, he was a wrestler as well, you know. But he... The, the chewing gum thing... Is from They Live. Yeah. Anyway. The Frisbee guy's playing Frisbee on the beach with Colleen. Um, Rowdy asks if he can run along with her whilst wearing an Hawaiian shirt and those fucking Speedos. Yes. What a combination. Um, she's like, yeah, you can run with me. How strange. If you were running across the beach, can I run with you? Like, no, of course not. How strange. you got all that space. <laughs> we all start playing for his B, uh, and then he asks us. Well, he says to her, "Why don't you get lost?" And she's like, "What do you mean?" And he shows her his gun, not the razor blade frisbee, his gun. And she starts running away, but then he says, "Hey, Colleen, you've got a great ass." And she says, "So do you, Pilgrim." <laughs> what the fuck? I think this that you two Pilgrim is an American thing that I don't really get. <laughs> Um, why was she so startled by the gun in his back, <laughs> yet she plays frisbee with a guy <laughs> holding a much larger gun? It's true. For every day. Yeah. Um, after aggressively throwing the frisbee at each other a few times, Rowdy... The thing is, they, they threw it at each other and mm-hmm. said, ha, try and catch that. Like, <laughs> you threw it at him? Um, after doing that a few times, Rowdy replaces the frisbee with his razor blade one. Yeah. And it embeds in the henchman's neck. Well, it cuts off his fingers, mm-hmm. embeds in his neck, 
Um, this is the one I remember. This is the scene I remember. Um, YouTube, you know, greatest death scenes. Um, yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. He does a small victory fist pump. He does. He very, he does. Um, yeah. Now the Fantastic Four put their plan into full swing after th- that random scene. I really don't get... It was like, this is for the police, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm assuming that was the point of it all because they then put a plan into full swing somewhere else. Not there. Um, they go to... Because they're not very discreet about anything, they go to the hideout mm-hmm. of the uh, drug smugglers, diamond people, bad guys. Uh, Rowdy and Jade shoot a guard. Yeah. Uh, after Rowdy misses a lot. That'll be a running joke. Uh, Donna lands some kind of glider. Throwing grenades before that. She was. Taryn dramatically drops out of a car and rolls over. Yeah. Jade gets into a martial arts fight with a guy <laughs> who could have just shot him. Like, it's like... <laughs> so these people have just shot the guy outside. Yeah? Mm-hmm. They've barged in. Yeah. Um, you've come out of nowhere from behind the door. you got your gun on this guy who's just killed you, whatever, outside. Probably going to try and kill you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, stay there. Don't move. <laughs> no, you just shoot, you dickhead. I hate when films do that. I really do. Because there was no reasonable reason for him to not just shoot on sight. Like, what, what, I, I don't get it. Um, anyway, they get into a fight. Um, to which Jade says, life's a bitch and then you die. <laughs> uh, Taryn shoots Michael. And then Jade kills this guy in the martial arts fight with... He's got, like, razor... Hand? Like yeah, pie? I don't know how he closes his hands with those on. But also, he the bad guy breaks his beads. Like, my beads! Oh, yeah. My mother gave those to me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, one thing I need to add is Jade has long hair. A ponytail. Uh, usually has it in a ponytail. Uh-huh. What he has now is a messy bun. <laughs> like, he's a mother of four going up to the shop to grab a pint of milk. Um, he kills the guy and then says, and then you die. (laughs) Right. Well, then they find Edie and, uh, what's his name? Rowdy's like, uh, Jade, she's all yours. And Jade just stands there like, wait a minute, this is sensational, kinky sex. Okay, how about untying her? She's been fucking tortured for the last few hours. Well, that's not evident though. No, it's not everything. <laughs> She's probably got achy arms, and yeah. that's about it. Um, this 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 is a bit of shit. Is so escaping in the helicopter is the henchman. Mm-hmm. Who do you think were the main henchmen? The ones that put the tights on their heads. Yeah, and went, and they are trying to escape. So Donna just shoots them with a bazooka. <laughs> And I thought, one thing that did annoy me, I thought we would maybe get a good fight scene between Donna 
and the uh, female henchwoman, mm-hmm. female henchwoman, henchwoman, uh, the bodybuilding henchwoman. Um, but we didn't really get that. No, they were just blown kind up. of blown up by a bazooka. Um, they wanted to make the most of that bazooka they've got. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They they really do, actually, in this film. They really do. Um, after that, they're like, yay, well done, guys. Um, Donna leaves alone for plot purposes. Yeah. And uh, turns out seemingly just to take her makeup off. This should be the end of the film. This should be the end of the film. But we, we haven't quite hit the hour <laughs> and a half. It's felt like more than an hour and a half. We haven't quite hit that yet. Um, the others leave in a van. Uh, where Jade is ridiculing Rowdy for his bad aim. <laughs> and uh, Edie reminds them that Ramiro is still at large. Yeah. Uh, to which Rowdy jumps on a bike <laughs> and rides out the van. In daylight. Yeah, in true action movie style. And it's daylight. What it turns out is that Ramiro is hiding at Taryn's place. At night time. At night time. Um, he... Lunges at Donna. Yeah. We get a full Laurie Strode, Michael Myers moment <laughs> when Donna's in the wardrobe and uh, he's trying to force his way into the wardrobe. And it's the slatted wardrobe as well. So it's definite nod, I would assume, to Halloween. Uh, Donna manages to knock him out. So... To celebrate, she goes to the freezer to rub a bit well, of ice. Well, she shoots him with a fucking harpoon gun. Yeah. Does she? Yeah, she shoots him with a harpoon oh. gun. And then she punches him twice. Oh, okay. And that knocks him out. Yeah. <laughs> well, to celebrate, she goes to the freezer to rub herself with some ice cubes. <laughs> um, Seth's not dead, though. No, he's back from the dead. He's back from the dead. So he tries to stab her, but she eventually kills him. Seemingly. She goes to clean the blood off in a bizarre series of events. <laughs> she goes to clean the blood off herself. Um, so she sits next to the toilet and uses toilet paper to get the blood off her. When she goes to flush the toilet, <laughs> the snake flies <laughs> out. Like a fucking rocket. Smashing the toilet to bits. Smashing the toilet to bits. Um, Donna runs away, obviously. Turns out Romero still still ain't fucking dead. Whilst the snake is fucking smashing up the bathroom. Yeah. Absolutely fuming. This is my moment. He's absolutely fuming that Seth's trying to kill Donna when that's his thing. So, um, he bites Seth. Yeah. And that finally killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's the rat cancer or not, but, uh, something, something works and Seth is finally dead. Donna tries to shoot the snake. <laughs> until Rowdy crashes through the wall <laughs> on his bike and shoots the snake You've guessed it, with the bazooka. But only its head explodes. Only its head. A fucking bazooka. They probably all should have been dead. That probably should have made the fucking house collapse on them. But it just kills the snake by making its head explode. Just the head. Um, 
And he was like, where the hell did the snake come from? She's like, would you believe the toilet? And he says, just when you thought it was safe to take a pee. So now you're thinking this is the end of the film. But Fabulous. Uh, we just acknowledge all of that actually happens. It, all of that did happen, yeah. Yeah, we're not making that up. <laughs> really, watch the film, it really does happen. Um, so you think, uh, oh, you know, finish on a joke about snake toilets. No, we still <laughs> got more. They all dress fancy. <laughs> and they go to this very tall office building. Um... Rowdy explains that this is Mr. Chang's hideout. Yeah. Um, and that Mr. Chang's parents were Chinese and British and that he was raised in both London and Hong Kong. Um, just in case... Anyone just to explain. Was, just to explain in case anyone was confused by the name. Uh, let's be very clear. I'm pretty certain that Peter Bromelow who played Mr. Chang, was not mixed race. It's He's definitely a, a English actor. Um, so, it, it, it's, shit like that really annoys me. So what, why, why can't he just be British? Yeah. Why can't he be Mr., you know... What's a, what's a posh British name? I, I don't know. Oh, whatever. Mr. Johnson. There we go. Mr. Boris Johnson. Duh. Um, why can't true he... True villain. True villain. Why can't he just be Mr. Boris Johnson and he's British and he's the bad guy? This is what I get. Like, Seth Romero had to have a foreign accent. Yeah. You know, Mr. Chang, despite not being played by an actor of Chinese origin had to have that foreign thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it and I, I know it's it's an American film, American action film in the eighties. Is ever it's something that's, you know, um true throughout these kind of films is the bad guys are always foreign in some sort of way. But it's just a bit like, ugh. You can, and if you're gonna call him Mr. Chang, at least get a Chinese actor to play yeah. him, you know? Throw some money their way, you know, get to get them some roles. It, I know it's a shitty stereotype role. Um, but if you're going to play the stereotype, you might as well, you know, do it properly. Um, anyway, they just... Donna and Rowdy just walk into his office. Yeah. With absolutely no issues whatsoever. They know exactly where he is. Mm-hmm. They just walk in. They kill one of his henchmen... With closed nunchucks. They beat yeah. him up with closed nunchucks. Couldn't be asked to open them. And they're there to arrest Mr. Chang. Um, but Mr. Chang is not having any of no. it. Um, so he draws his samurai sword. And... Says, in a pig's ass. Yeah. That makes no sense. <laughs> um, Rowdy says... You've made a big mistake bringing a sword to a gunfight. <laughs> uh, Rowdy tries shooting him, but his aim is so terrible that Donna shoots him. Yeah. And he flies out the window, mm-hmm. falls, plummets to his death, Mr. Chang does. Um, 
And that's that's the end of him. Yeah, we force in front of Taryn, who's absolutely horrified despite all of the battles and actions she's been part of. Yeah. For the last hour and a half. Yeah, that's very true, actually. <laughs> despite seeing a helicopter full of people explode. Um, yeah. Maybe this is just one too many for her, bless her. They're all on the Malibu Express, yuck, yet it's still not over, and discuss going back to get the diamonds. And Taryn decides the diamonds belong to her because everyone who can identify the diamonds are dead. Because she's a civilian, as we've been reminded many times. So... She's a civilian, so the the others, because they're agents, would legally have to hand in Mm -hmm. the diamonds no matter what. But she doesn't because no one's there to identify the diamonds and tell anyone that then they don't belong to Taryn. So there you go, and she says, and I'll spend, and I'll help spend it all with my friends or whatever the fuck she says. And then we get the Hard Ticket to Hawaii theme song, dance version, played over the end credits, which are also the boxes again, like the opening credits, but this time they're intertwined with the film's best bits. Yes. Um, this is the Hard Ticket to Paradise that annoyed me. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that is the bizarre hard ticket to Hawaii. It is. Um, it's uh, almost a parody. But because it's not, because there is a sincerity there, it makes it so much yeah. more enjoyable. It's, it becomes a parody of itself. Yeah. It, it really is one of my favourite trash to pieces. And if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy the stuff we talk about, then... You'd have either seen this already, or you have to see it. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would definitely recommend if anyone who loves their trashy films, um, or are they just entertaining crap? If you love eighties action films, this has everything that you could want, done badly, but still there. It's still there. Yeah, and I think you know it. It hasn't aged great in some ways, you know. The women are objectified, but at the heart of the film, and what I believe are the two leads are Donna and Tara. Yeah, yeah. Who are two very strong women, mm-hmm. and it's emphasized throughout the whole film how these are two very strong women. Yeah, and it is Donna who saves the day at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I really appreciated that because. You you can have the, you know, boobs, boobs, boobs part of it. And I understand that's for a target audience. But I also appreciate, you know, seeing strong women on film. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that... I think having that female producer, that was the reason, I think, yeah. that that, uh, that occurred. I think so. Well, that is Hard Ticket to Hawaii, and if you're on social media, let us know your thoughts on this film. We're Horrible Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horrible Trash on Twitter. I'm Gaz 92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and gascruise 92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker 823 on Letterboxd and Instagram. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, like and follow on everything else. Give us a rating on Spotify. It's another double episode week next week, and we are back on Tuesday with Double Dragon. Yeah, Chris? Hello, yeah, you there?
You said it was a double this episode. Is, yeah, I know. Double Dragon, your choice. You know what I mean yes. to say? Yeah, I'm very excited. I haven't seen it before. It's meant to be shit. Um, it's one of those shitty 90s video game films. Yeah. Um, yeah, really excited for it. And then on Friday, it's original versus remake time, and we're discussing both versions of Initiation of Sarah. Two films that no one's probably ever seen, but, you know, Jennifer Tilly. I, th- I, I don't think the re... I didn't realise it had a remake, but I'd heard of the original. Yeah. Was it, I think it's a TV movie. So, um, yeah, should be very camp. We hope so. We hope so. So, we'll be back on Tuesday. Bye.